Hey, I'm Steve Full, and thanks for listening. This episode is supported by the nice people at the Podcast Host. They're ever so nice. Check them out for yourself via the link at beingfreelance.com because they can help you get your podcast up and running, or if you've already got one, grow it even better. Be it technically in the edit or in publicising it, everything is covered. That's the Podcast Host. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for social media consultant Alison Battersby. My real issue is I can't say no to people. I just want to do everything that comes my way. Creating personas was something I hadn't done before. So now I have a complete grasp of who my target audience is and the people that are likely to come on a workshop or to engage in some social media consultancy. And I actually have my three personas kind of on my notice board where I sit. When I'm thinking of the next blog post to create, I can really focus that on one of my target audience. Yes, hello. Hope you are well and uh, all is going well for you in your freelance business. Don't forget, you can find us online at beingfreelance.com where there's over 50 guests for you to listen to now. Subscribe on iTunes or whatever the podcasting device of your choice is app whatever um i'm not sure what's the word that people use for that if it's you know the deal somewhere on your phone there's a way for you to get uh, this podcast so yeah hit subscribe and then it will automatically download you can also sign up for our newsletter at beingfreelance.com right now though let's get chatting to alison battersby social media consultant based in london hey alison hello how are you doing i'm well um thanks for doing this so how about we get started hearing about how you got started being freelance, how you've ended up doing what you're doing? Yeah, well, I actually trained as a newspaper journalist back in sort of 2008 time with every intention of going to work for a national newspaper in London. Um, unfortunately, it was the year the recession hit. And as I was doing my work experience at places like the Daily Mirror and the Sunday Times, I was just seeing journalists being let go, being um, told that they no longer had a job. And it was it was really, really sad times. And I realized, you know what, if there's not actually going to be many jobs available in journalism, I should probably start thinking about something else. So I started writing an online blog in the area where I lived in Dalston in London and quickly got about 2000 readers a month, got up to about 10,000 followers on Twitter, which was great. And realised actually, I'm I love um, online writing and social media. So I went to go and work for a digital marketing agency, and ended up being their very first social media executive. Huh. This was around the time when sort of Facebook and Twitter were just starting to uh, make waves, and their biggest client, which was Tesco, wanted a Facebook page. So we ended up launching their Facebook page for them. Um, which is really exciting and learned a lot along the way. Um, I stayed at that agency for about two years and then I went on to another agency where I worked on clients like Pringles and Nokia and Land Rover. And then I went freelance in 2011 because I was just getting asked so much by friends, family, friends of friends. Oh, you do social media. Could you help us with our business or could you help us with this project? And I just thought there's a huge opportunity here just to to live a bit more flexibly and work on projects I want to work on. Well, so as you did that, presumably you were stepping back from like, uh, maybe you didn't, by the way, but stepping back from working with like huge brands. Yes. Um, Initially, I was, although 
over the years, I have been lucky enough to work with some big brand projects um, through agencies. So I still freelance um, for large agencies and I've worked on projects for the British Heart Foundation, Britta, Estee Lauder. So I'm still managing to do big name stuff, but they're not direct clients of mine. Cool. Oh, right. Well, there's clearly loads to talk about. <laughs> so first, first of all, like, how, how did that feel stepping stepping away, like going freelance? Mm. I think, first of all, um, one of the main reasons why I wanted to, to leave the agency was that I was such a, a kind of small cog in a big wheel. I felt that I wasn't really having a huge impact on some of these projects and that I wasn't really getting the chance to see a project from the beginning right through to the end. And that's what I really missed. So straight away going freelance was um, fantastic for me in, in the sense that I was leading the project. I was reporting to straight to the client. I got to meet the client and um, I could sort of see something right through to the end. But I would say that the the other half of it is that it, it is a bit scary because suddenly you are the main contact for every question, every kind of um, piece of social media knowledge you're expected to know. So it is an adjustment, but I think, you know, the pluses for me outweighed the minuses, definitely. Yeah. So would you have been dealing, I I guess, like in an agency, you would have some sort of project manager, an account manager or whatever, dealing with the client. So you're kind of almost shielded from them. That's it. I never met my clients um, at my second agency, which was a real shame because there were 24, 24 of us on the social media team. So you've got your account managers, directors, you've got your strat- strategists, your reporting team. Um, so I was a community manager. So I was looking after the Facebook community of a lot of those sites like um, Pringles and Nokia, but I never actually met the clients. So yeah, that's the bit I really missed. So how does it feel then when, you know, when you've come from that background where you've got such a almost bloated bloated is probably the wrong word but like a huge team basically mm. a huge team of people with different roles and then suddenly you're doing everything yeah yeah it is I mean I guess that's where I had to really adjust my services that I offered and make sure that I just wasn't offering anything that I definitely couldn't um deliver especially because the agency would pay for very expensive reporting tools they would pay for um, budget for things like massive competitions and advertising campaigns whereas as a freelancer you can't really cover that so I definitely had to get to know some of the free tools that are out there I had to cut a few things out of the services that I would offer and just be a bit more realistic with the client and saying you know if you want to run a competition in social media that's great but you're going to have to cover the the budget for the prize, um, some Facebook advertising, all that kind of stuff as well. Whereas at the agency, we we probably would have done that for them. So you go freelance. You mentioned that you kind of had people going, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? Mm. Is that literally how it started? How did you find your clients? Um, I think I was lucky enough that I had been in the industry for you know, three, three, four years um, anyway. And so I, first of all, just told absolutely everybody I'd ever met in the digital advertising world that I was going freelance. I think that's something that speaking to a lot of freelancers sometimes often gets overlooked, just letting your contacts know that you are now freelance because there's always going to be someone that needs something or a friend of a friend that needs something doing. 
And the other thing that I did do is make a big noise of it on my own social media. So I, I told all my Facebook friends with a Facebook post. I did the same on LinkedIn. I was very vocal on Twitter. And also I wrote a blog about um, how I decided to go freelance as well. So I definitely made a bit of a noise about the fact that I was now available for projects. Um, and I was lucky enough that actually, I know, I know people are going to hate me for saying this, but the work did kind of flow in, I think. I was very lucky that I kind of got in there as a social media consultant at the right time because now there are a lot of people out there that claim they do that kind of work but perhaps don't have the experience that you might need. Um, so I think I really have managed to ride that wave at the right time as well. You were a pioneer oh, putting up Tes well, Tesco's Facebook page. Yeah, you could say that. I was a pioneer. <laughs> Seizing the opportunity. That's it. So, now, um, you don't trade as yourself as in Alison Battersby right yeah I used to but I actually made the decision in 2014 to become a limited company and trade as avocado social and the reason I did that was I've I've started to do a lot more speaking events so I will now speak at conferences networking groups I do mentoring um I speak at um you know, private members' clubs in London. And to do that as Alison Battersby was fine, but I found that people were beginning to know me as Alison the freelancer. And I wanted to, be, to create a bit more of a brand around Avocado Social, around what I was doing. And also I wanted to expand the team. So I wanted people to be able to email clients on behalf of me. And I thought the, the best way of doing that would be to become avocado social it's interesting though because obviously as you do speaking then it is very much about you and your personality and your personal relationships and stuff like that and yet it was that point that you stepped back yeah I think um I think I just when I was speaking on the lineup with other people, it was very much, you know, they had their logo up on the slides. Um, they spoke uh. about their work that they did as a company. Whereas I'd sort of like tootle on stage and just be like, hi, I'm Alison, the freelancer. So <laughs> I think it was just giving the business a bit more credibility. And it's worked really well because people remember the name Avocado Social. Mm. People love the brand. And I've now got um, three subcontractors. So for them to be able to have conversations with my clients under the umbrella of Avocado Social just works so much better. Yeah, I can see that, actually. Yeah. So on on the lineup for an event, suddenly it says Alison Battersby of Avocado Social. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when they ask for a logo to go into the brochure, it's not really just kind of Alison Battersby written in <laughs> yeah, Times draw, New draw Roman. Draw a sti stick picture of yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's now my proper logo, which looks a lot more credible. Yeah. Did, did you invest into that then as you changed from presumably you had an Alison Battersby site or whatever? Yeah. So, so, so what was before? What came after and, and, and how did you do that? I had a really simple WordPress landing page with really limited information on it and my blog um, and my Twitter account as well. And what I did was when I launched Avocado Social, I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of web designers and developers. So one of my friends um, created me a, a, another really nice WordPress site, but a lot more branded. 
he helped me develop a logo and then I set up Avocado Social's own social media. Um, I've actually very recently gone through a whole new website redesign as well and that's been really exciting and actually increased my website traffic as well which has been great and I used a branding consultant who's down in Peckham called Cara Benden for that so I actually invested a bit more this time because it was something I wanted um, to spend some time with an expert doing and actually go through the stages of creating the brand identity so you found that really valuable? I did, yeah. And, you know, creating personas and things like that was something I hadn't done before. So now I have a complete grasp of who my target audience is and the people that are likely to come on a workshop or to engage in some social media consultancy. And I don't think I'd know, I don't think I'd have taken the time to actually sit down and step back and properly think about that had I not been developing the new website. So has that helped you focus your marketing? Yeah, definitely. Um, And I actually have my three personas kind of on my notice board where I sit um, on my desk. So I can sort of, when I'm thinking of the next blog post to create, I can really focus that on one of my target audience. Um, So it's been great. So also with it, there's so much kind of flying at me here to to, to pick out the air and throw back at you. Ah. You (laughs) you mentioned taking on subcontractors, which is an interesting word in itself, because that that almost sounds like you take a particular project and simply say, right, this is yours rather than. Do you know what I mean? So you didn't call them a freelancer, you called them a subcontractor. Yeah, I guess um, because they, the three ones I use are doing stuff for me consistently um, because they're retained clients. So how that works is that while I was working in agencies, I've developed relationships with other, other social media consultants and a lot of them have since gone freelance as well, which is interesting. Um, and where I'm managing social media on behalf of a client, I actually, because I do a lot of training and speaking, I don't tend to do a lot of that anymore. So I will still be the main contact for the client and create the strategy, but I now have, um, freelancers helping me with the day-to-day running of say a Twitter account, a Facebook account, an Instagram account, And it's worked really well, actually, I think particularly because they're freelancers I know and trust. And there's a lot of communication that happens between us. So we're always on Slack or we meet up quite regularly in London or we're Skyping. So, yeah, it works really well. And it's something that's allowed me to help grow the business even further. So that's great. So you do treat them like as in a, a team of your company? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Like they've got avocado social email email addresses. They, I let them meet the clients, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, as far as, I mean, all, all of my clients are very aware that they're not employees and that they are freelancers as well. But um, yeah, it, it just work. It just tends to work really well. Um, but I wouldn't be in the stage where I could take any of them on full time. And the other thing is, is that they've all got other freelance clients as well. So mm. it, I think it works quite nice to keep the variety. So things that they're learning from running other social media accounts um, external to mine, they might be bringing some of that knowledge to Avocado Social. Right. So there's that. Now you have your training and your speaking side of it so so that's mm. where the, so as well as sort of like bringing clients in and managing them that's where the main focus of your time is now yes 
So I take um, regular workshops um, in and around the UK, actually, not just in London. I've recently been up in Leeds, Sheffield. I was over in Swansea recently. Um, So it's not just kind of in the London area. I teach um, full day workshops in-house or I do public workshops where I take up to 10 people um, for the day. And that's covering kind of all aspects of social media from the latest updates with, with the platforms to how to run and engage community to how to sort of measure it as well as so how to understand if you're doing a good job. Um, and that seems to be going really well. And I really, really enjoy that that side of it. I think um, where I can actually teach people the skills to go away and do it themselves, that's where I get a buzz, definitely. And do you find that both the speaking and the workshops does that feed back in like as a, as a marketing tool or is it simply an, an income if you see what I mean yeah I would say so um I've definitely had people that have been on a workshop that next time they're doing some social media in terms of maybe running an advertising campaign or a big competition they would get back in touch for some consultancy so it does work really well and the speaking events as well I usually tend to get people coming, getting my card at the end, and then usually they will get in touch, which is great as well. Sounds like you've got a hell of a lot going on. How, yeah, how, I do. How, how do you how do you like manage your own workload, your own time? And I'd say and that's probably my biggest struggle. Um, I was I was actually just talking to a friend this morning um, who's doing a bit of stuff for me on a freelance basis as well, and she said, "Alison, you've." taken on way too much how are you doing this and I actually just, just thought you know what I have my real issue is I can't say no to people I just want to um, do everything that comes my way so I think I do need to just really keep an eye on actually how much work can I physically take on and just have a line there because <laughs> otherwise you just end up working crazy hours and not having any time away from the computer which is really important to me as well can you find yourself just working from early till the latest of late yeah um i'd say i i don't do a lot of that i'm usually quite good but um this month i did probably take on a bit too much <laughs> but that i've just finished a massive project and that's done now so i know that i the rest of june i can relax a little bit and i'm quite into my running so i'm definitely going to get out there and do some nice uh, morning runs and um maybe a bit of yoga as well so that's that's how i switch off when you're spinning all of these plates how do you sort of stay focused on something because it could be easy to have you know this client get in touch that client get in touch yeah a new new inquiry here but you're preparing for a workshop over here something's come up over like I can imagine there's a lot of things popping up at once like a -a whack-a-mole there are definitely and I think what you've got to do is is try and um try and limit how much time you're spending on each particular part of your to-do list so I'm a huge advocate in to-do lists I use the Day Designer, which is a printable worksheet you can just download for free offline. Um, And I have all of that offline. I way prefer writing with a pen for my to-do list. I don't know why, I just find it really satisfying. Maybe it's the journalist within me. (laughs) And um, 
I will actually then separate my day. So I'll say, okay, first half an hour emails, then social media for half an hour, then I'll do two hours on this particular project, then back to social media, then I'll check my emails again. Then this afternoon, I'll do three hours on this project. So you do actually have to chunk out your day. Um, Of course, what that doesn't account for is if I get any urgent client calls or I tend to get quite a lot of, can you do this for me by tomorrow? Um, so I think it's just knowing when you can push back and what you can, what you need to prioritize as well. But it's, it's hard. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it sounds like you're, you're getting good at letting go and delegating. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe there's an opportunity to, to, uh, to delegate more. That's it. I've just, actually um, brought on a new freelancer as well who's going to be doing a day a week for me over the next three months so I'm really looking forward to delegating some of the kind of sort of more admin tasks to her like updating my website with my latest events doing some of my blogging organizing some guest blogging all of that sort of stuff um, putting together my webinars as well so that's another side of how I get work um and yeah, running my Facebook group as well. That's another one that takes time. <laughs> okay. Oh, you see, I'm creating my own to-do list now of things I need to talk to you about, how, how you get clients and market yourself. So we will work our way through that to-do list in okay. a moment. But currently <laughs> at the top is the fact that I need to remind you that this episode is supported by the podcast host. So if you are looking to start a podcast, they are the people to talk to. They've got loads of free resources, but also training that you can sign up for, be it one-on-one mentorship or group kind of like mastermind sessions. They have specific courses you can do online to help you learn editing techniques and things like that. But if you think, oh, I don't really have time to do editing, or I, I would be no good at that, my time would be better spent on something else, they can even edit your podcast for you, uh, upload it, do all the show notes, all of that kind of stuff, uh, and publish it to the world. So I, I strongly recommend checking them out if you're even the slightest bit tempted to start your podcast. And if you already have one, then they're the guys to go to to find out how to grow it. So that's the podcast host. Tell them I said hi. And you can find them via beingfreelance.com and the show notes for this episode. Right, tick. There's that bit of this uh, done. Uh, on to the rest of the to-do list then of your ideas. So ways that you find clients, webinars or whatever. Um, so yeah, ways that you, you you get your clients to you. I would say, first of all, we've got the, the speaking events, so the live speaking events. Um, I probably do one or two a month uh, around London or around the UK. Um, so they would normally come in through people just getting in touch through the website, or I have a couple of, um, partners I work with like general assembly and enterprise nation who will regularly ask me to provide, um, talks at evening workshops and things like that. So who who enterprise nation, what sort of company is that? Enterprise nation is a fantastic membership group for anyone who's starting a small business. Uh, it's it's very cheap. It's about fifty pounds a year, and you get access to events, webinars, um, advice. Okay, so they put on lots of events, and and they now know that you can do that, so they call on you. That's it, exactly. Yeah. So that's the kind of offline side, and then online, I do quite a lot. So I do a monthly free webinar, which is a half an hour webinar, which I run through Go To Webinar. 
and you can sign up to join that webinar it, um, through my website and it's completely free. All I ask is for your email address and contact details and then I will focus the webinar on a particular subject that month. So we've just done Snapchat for business. The month before that, I was doing Facebook ads. The month before that, I was doing scheduling tools. So I will sort of take my listeners through some top tips and case studies and then answer some questions at the end. And the last webinar I ran, I had 90 people sign up. So they are a really good way of gathering email addresses and also just showing off that you do have the expertise and that you are um, a trustworthy person maybe to come on a workshop with. How do you market those webinars? I market them through um, my existing email list. I market them through social media. And I also just make sure I mention them whenever I'm speaking at events Ah, as well. Um, I think it's a really nice way in as well. So I've had people who've listened to my webinar and then decided to come on a full day workshop with me. Because sometimes you just want to check that the person you're going to pay for a workshop with does know what they're talking about Mm. and is normal. (laughs) Okay, so we've got webinars Mm. and uh, how else online? So I've recently this year started a Facebook group and the group is called the Avocado Social Media Hub. And the group's really designed, first of all, for anybody that came has come on one of my training courses or been in one of my talks. I found that often my delegates would want somewhere where they can come and sort of share their ideas or uh, feedback on how they've performed since coming on one of my workshops. So I developed the group for that purpose. And then I realized that actually people were asking me if they could join it um, just from reading my blog or hearing about me through a friend. So I've actually opened it up so anybody can come and join the group. Um, we've, we've got nearly 400 people now, which is great. And it's just a really nice community. It's really friendly. Everybody's up for sharing ideas or apps or tools that they would recommend for social media. And it's a nice way as well just to get people engaged in what I'm doing as Avocado Social as well. So if I am speaking at any events, I'll always post them to the Facebook group first, almost like you're getting the exclusive news by being part of the community. Yeah. Have you tried um, doing Facebook Live to them? Do you know what? I This sounds really silly, but I'm actually really nervous about doing it. Why? I don't know. I just, it's that move from, from vid to video. I don't know. I'm not very... That said, though, there's a video on your website. There right? is. There's a lovely video on my website, which um, a lovely lady called Nikki did for me. Nikki Woodhouse, her website's woodhousetv.com. And yeah, we created that video together. But again, first few times I shot some of those pieces, I was just clamming up. It's very strange because normally I'm just, absolutely fine talking to people have you noticed any difference since you've put that video up because it's um it's i mean okay i do video stuff myself so i tell people it's a great way of kind of building a connection people get to know what you're like and blah blah but have you actually felt that for yourself do you know what it's really interesting you say that because this since launching the new website in april i've had more people get in touch with me who have been completely out of the blue I haven't been to one of my talks or events and I've just found my website and have booked on to do a one-to-one coaching session. So it, it's got to be the video that they are 
realizing or using as a way in to know a bit more about me because normally people would only book a one-to-one coaching session if they'd seen me in action Mm. but I I really do believe that the video is um, providing that for them because I I do speak for a little bit in the video and um, yeah it's just so nice I think to be able to see me as well as soon as you land on the website and be like oh yes this is the right website this is Alison's website I recognize her now from that event I went to six months ago. So, yeah, I'm really pleased with how it all turned out. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, so for people who go, and they've, they've come away and they've gone, they've probably typed in Alison Avocado. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a key word. Um, <laughs> a lot of people spell avocado wrong, though, which I didn't even realise. People do spell it A-V-A a lot. Avocado. 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 Yeah. And then you've got people who want want to order online shopping from Waitrose who are topping in avocado. (laughs) Yeah. Avocado. Yeah. So that makes it sound like you're very much looking at the analytics of your site and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I do look in at GA probably once a month. And um, I'm really pleased that traffic's definitely up since the new website went live. And also I've been sticking religiously to my plan of having at least one blog a week. Um, And that's been working well as well. How do you manage that consistency? Um, I now have one of my freelancers helping me with that. So I come up with the idea and we'll send her a few links of references to to quote or, or, um, you know, studies to mention. And she puts that together and uploads it for me, which is great. You see, that's great. But all of this, you see, it kind of needs you to get to a point where you can invest in your own business, if you see what I mean, because some of these things aren't directly billable to a client, for mm, example. Yes. So so it sounds like maybe you've, you've figured out your pricing well, that you can do that. Yeah, I think um, all of this stuff, like the webinars, the Facebook group, the blogging, that's only come this year. And the business is a year and a half old. So I think it's taken time to get to that point. But now I'm quite confident about um, some of the inquiries I get in. And I'm just a bit more confident generally. I think it's a funny old world, social media, because a lot of people will call me up and say, oh, can you do a full day training course for 10 people next week? And luckily, I, I tend to try and keep one or two days free where I'm not booked up so that I could just jump and and take that um and if not then obviously there's always loads of work to be getting on with anyway but back a year ago I used to be really stressed out you know it doesn't look like I've got much coming in next month I'm a bit worried about that but I've just learned that in social media people like to be very reactive and just um as quick as possible as well so often people will get in touch a week two weeks in advance for a pretty big piece of work as well. Does that make it difficult planning time off? It does, but then I'm I'm such an advocate in having time off. I actually think my best ideas have come to me when I've been offline, switched off, not thinking about work. So it is really important for me to make sure I, I do take um, I do take enough time off every year as well. And you know, a lot of um, a lot of parts of the business can get away with me just checking my emails and checking social media quickly for an hour in the morning and then um, letting everything else 
run on. It just means I wouldn't be able to do any training or workshops or, or talks during that time. Um, so you have just got to be a bit organized in that sense. But that's probably why I've taken on so much this month, because I know I've got a week off in July. So <laughs> I'm trying to um, to sort of even it all out. OK, now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie. OK. And let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? OK, so here's three for you. So first of all, I appeared on French TV speaking about social media. Number two, I trained the BBC on how to use Periscope and Snapchat. <laughs> and number three, I was on the lineup at a digital conference with Google in Romania. Uh, what's the French for social media? So I was speaking um, about how to run social media, so Facebook, Twitter, for small businesses um, on a French TV station. So did you look up the word for social media in French? Um, I think they referred to it as social media, so I was quite lucky. And really? I... The French hate using English words. <laughs> social media. And I was, That's the um... lie. I'm going that that's the lie. Right. <laughs> I yeah, think you... you busted yes. me. That's the lie. <laughs> the French would blatantly have a word. Yeah, I need to look that one up, actually. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? Um... I would probably say be confident, just be confident in what you're offering your clients and be confident that you will do a really good job for them. Looking back to how I was freelance in 2011, I was a bit a bit kind of nervous and didn't really hold my ground in things like meetings and agreeing contracts and things like that. Whereas now, if something looks like it's going to take a decent amount of time, you know, I will say, actually, do you know what? That is going to take three days, four days work. Um, and if the client comes back and says, well, you know, we've only got budget for two, then you're only going to be able to do two days work for them. Whereas um, back in the day, I kind of would have been a bit like, oh, OK. So I think have confidence. Yeah, I think that's that you're right. That that comes with time. That comes as a, a confidence thing. isn't mm, it? Definitely. But when you did used to just say, yeah, OK, I'll do it. Did you find because this is what I found that you then kind of almost end up resenting that project definitely <laughs> definitely yeah and you just be sitting there going Grr, I can't believe I agreed to do this um, and you wouldn't end up doing a great piece of work either so I think just being honest and being confident are sort of my my top tips check out beingfreelance.com for links to Alison and Avocado Social and Avocado Social, of course, um, and everything that they're up to. Sign up for the webinars, for example, um, if, uh, if if that floats your boat. And of course, while you're at um, Being Freelance, check out uh, all of the other guests which are on there. No matter what they do, it's worth having a listen to their experiences and learning from it. And you can sign up to our, our newsletter there. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it with other freelancers or leave a review uh, on the likes of itunes as well because that really does help us um get found and spread the word as well but alison thanks so much for your time no problem it's been a pleasure all the best being freelance oh i've just found the answer all right go on it's media social you see they could les media social <laughs> Oh dear, if only I'd done a bit of Googling before I tried to lie.